Hey, welcome back. Just a little lead-in audio. Um, this is, in fact, a podcast and not a Bitcoin DJ set, so you're welcome. Uh, I talked with Kyle Torpy uh, for like an hour about Bitcoin. We did it as a Google Hangout. You can see it. It's just like my internet so shitty. And he was on his cell phone that the audio is kind of kind of hit or miss. I have my microphone track and I have the YouTube audio. Um, and I did what I could to stitch them together, so... Enjoy the show. This hangout is live. All right, cool. So welcome to episode 11 of Unconfirmed Transactions. If you're listening now um, on the podcast, there is a Google Hangouts video you should check out in the description if you want to see my pretty face. Uh, I'm here with Kyle Topre. No? <laughs> Torpy? Torpy. Kyle Torpy. I fucking asked you ahead of time and then I yeah, butchered it. Right before, but... <laughs> so... We're here, uh, so you're in Bitcoin Core a lot, or I saw you on Twitter and I was like, hey man, you want to talk about Bitcoin? And you mentioned maybe you want the, we talk about the DAO, but I just figured we'd talk about whatever. So you, um, you write for Bitcoin Magazine a lot. You, you, what, how would you describe, you know, what you do in this space? Are you a journalist? Are you a blogger? I just kind of got interested in Bitcoin like back in uh, 2011 and then by 2013, I was trying to figure out a way just to get involved in Bitcoin somehow and like turn it into a job. So is is, is Bitcoin your full time gig? Are you, did you or did you give your job up to the mountain? <laughs> well, yeah, writing about Bitcoin is my full time gig right now. Before Excellent. before I got into Bitcoin, I was doing uh, search engine optimization. Oh, sweet! Yeah, that's what that's what uh, that's what I do now. Oh, I mean, that's what I used to do before Google was like, "That's not a thing." <laughs> They just like wiped that clean. Uh, now you have to actually market and do like video content as such. It's a lot easier back in the day. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You used to be able to just like buy a monthly like spam subscription. Those are the days. That was so beautiful. A lot of games going on back in the day. Then, yeah, I, uh, I just, well, can, since I had done a lot of writing, I just decided to start writing about Bitcoin and see if it, if I could turn it. It was actually one of the first bitcoin and then i wrote one for like yahoo they had like a contributor thing back in the day you didn't really get paid uh -huh. much at all it was like really horrible pay for uh per view but uh i wrote one for them and then it I put it on reddit and then i guess uh max kaiser saw it and then they talked about it on their show and then i just uh -huh. got a bunch of job offers from that i actually have here um i'm gonna pull it up hold on this is you yeah I'm going to I'm going to go right to, straight to your stupid, okay? Uh -oh. So, on this on this episode, you are promoting Aurora coin. I'm not promoting. Okay, but you're you're kind of optimistic about it. Welcome back to the Kaiser Report. Uh, time now to turn to Kyle Torpy, an independent journalist who writes about Bitcoin. Kyle, welcome to the Kaiser Report. It's great to be here, Max. All right, Kyle, first I want to ask you about the emergence of sovereign altcoins. We've interviewed the guy behind Mazacoin for the Lakota Nation. Now there's Auroracoin for Iceland. Tell us about it. Sure. So basically Auroracoin is a 50% pre-mined coin for all the citizens of Iceland. And basically they have a national database, which would normally seem like a bad thing for any country, but in this situation, they could actually use it for a good thing in getting a fair pre-mine for a new altcoin. All right, let's talk about Iceland for a second because, of course, they were just coming out of a financial catastrophe going back to 2008. The corona collapsed, the banking system collapsed, and uh, it seems like having a sovereign altcoin or cryptocurrency is perfect for a country like Iceland. Plus, they get all the geothermal energy they could ever hope for to mine these cryptocurrencies. It seems like a match made in heaven. What do you think? I think the idea is, it's a good idea, but I, I'm not sure if this was the best execution of it. The only real problem 
I have is that they actually allowed mining to happen before the people of Iceland were able to redeem their Aurora coins. So basically we saw a huge uptick in the price. I think it almost reached a billion dollars a few weeks ago on the market cap. But like once we have uh, the people of Iceland redeeming some of their Aurora coins, then we could see the price go down because they have the option basically of taking 33 or around 33 Aurora coins or trading them in right away for cash. So you're basically putting the hands of the market of that coin in people who may not exactly be very interested in cryptocurrency. All right, let's uh, step back for a second and talk about altcoins in general, because you had the creation of Bitcoin back in the 2009 period. It's a cryptocurrency. And then we've seen now altcoins, which are also cryptocurrencies. They're similar to Bitcoin. They have variations, as you mentioned. There's a pre-mining going on. So why, uh, why do we have these altcoins to begin with? What is the purpose of them? Well, I don't want to generalize all altcoins, but basically I think a lot of them are basically pump and dumps. So you have a lot of altcoins that are basically just the same exact thing as Bitcoin. You know what Fugazi is? No, Fugazi, it's a fake. Hey, Fugazi, Fugazi, it's a wazi, it's a woozy, it's a fairy dust. How, how do you feel about it now in retrospect? Oh, it's... It's super dumb. Like, <laughs> this was like, I think this was early 2014, where I was still like, kind of in like the, maybe these Bitcoin 2.0 contract or projects will be uh, something that works out. But yeah, even well, yeah, Rorocoin, I said it wasn't going to work. But I think right after that, I, th- I think I said like, MasterCoin and ethereum and those projects might work or something like that i don't remember which ones i said but like it was like the kind of quasi app coin bitcoin 2.0 stuff i still wasn't sure about yeah naturally uh, i mean i got caught up in start coin so like i have no uh high moral high ground in this situation here but i just thought it was funny i was watching that and i was like hmm because i i like i like your articles a lot and um there's a guy with like curly hair his name's uh aaron i think is that right does that sound right yeah i forget aaron von yes that that one yes <laughs> i'm so bad with names but like I, the faces i'm i'm good with and i it's like you guys seem to be writing some of the best stuff uh how do you keep up on the news like i you just did a poll on your twitter about how people get their bitcoin news and it was very skewed towards twitter but it was a poll on twitter um but what do you think? Like, do you have like a, a circle you go through where it's like you hit up the court Slack, you hit up the Twitter, you hit up Reddit and repeat? Because that's kind of what I do. It used to be mostly, seemed like, I don't know, Reddit's weird now because I feel like there's a lot of manipulation going on at a certain point with like vote manipulation and people, like even before there was BTC, which is our BTC, which is just that's like upvoting shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is people, I don't know if there's marketing companies that do this, but it, it's just obvious when it's something that wouldn't get upvoted on our Bitcoin and it just like shoots the top with like 20 upvotes within five minutes. So right now I do mostly Twitter and a Bitcoin core Slack. I've only been on the core Slack for, well, it's only been around for a few months, but yeah, that's become like a pretty good resource lately. Mm. Twitter's um, probably the main one. So every, t- every time I look at my Twitter feed right now, I see the DAO. And uh, that's sort of ostensibly what we're going to talk about as one of the things we'll talk about today. So we were looking at the DAO and it's over $100 million, okay? But but only in USD equivalent. It's actually, it's, it's, it's denominated in Ether. And they're saying it's $100 million, but that's that's if they can liquidate it all for that amount, right? So that's kind of a dubious claim, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then furthermore, there's, there's been a lot of articles that came out. I'm, I'll drop it in the show notes, but there's an article that just came out from BitShares. Uh, I never, I'm never really into BitShares, but they, they actually put a pretty good article out that was like, yeah, we've done some of this and you didn't think a lot about this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let me, I want to hear what you think about the DAO and what, uh, it's kind of like what you were just said like two years later. Like the stuff that where I got caught up with like Mastercoin and uh, Ethereum or Next or whatever I was talking about back then. Like it's kind of like the same thing, only it's 
the new people that are coming into the space now, probably. Like it's just it's, the same scam in a different It's just how it goes, maybe. I think I think when you first come to this stuff, like whatever the media is saying at the time is sort of what you get exposed to first. And then you have to realize then later on you figure out either the hard way or like through like more reading, like because I remember when I first found Bitcoin, like people were talking about mining. So I bought a miner. Uh, and uh, now like you may be people right now, everyone's talking about like Ethereum. So like buy Ethereum. <laughs> but like there's so, whatever, whatever is like the thing that's being talked about, like you kind of that's the thing that you'll find out later you're a stupid for or something like that. Yeah. Well, also with the DAO, it's not really I don't know if it is like there's someone that is scamming other people. I think it's just people scamming themselves <laughs> and wasting their time. That's <laughs> it's like There's no like, I don't think there was like a, there's like a pre-sale, but like everyone's getting in at time there's, and they're all equal value right now. So it's someone actually scamming all the people that are buying the DAO tokens. Yeah, it was weird. They, they built, they had like a step, a step increase uh from like on the on the price but it seems like everyone was like okay i'll just buy it now and it seems like maybe that's why they they um maybe that's why it's just like get in early just some sort of like thing like that um you can also like take your dow out of or take your ether out of the dow after ye. like whenever you want or there's some kind of, uh, some kind sort of restriction of. where it's like sort of some days days you have to wait but we, I don't think either of us have looked that deeply into it, but basically my understanding is my understanding is you can split, which would literally take like, if this is the DAO, you split off and now you're like DAO version B and the DAO that you make is you're the only member of that DAO, but the DAO still holds the ether. So you have to v- propose to the DAO that you're the only member of and then vote on to send the ether to you as a contractor, I believe. Um, and that's how you get your ether out. And it takes like 28 days because that's how long a vote goes. And I've been thinking about this like whole 28 day thing. If there's a big proposal and they're like, okay, we're going to fund you with 10,000 ether, which right now is like a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Uh, or like maybe we're going to hunt you with the, give you a hundred thousand ether and that's a million dollars. Um, can't you just like time that market because the, 28 days is going to pass and they're, they're going to have to sell that ether to get that money. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, right now it just seems like it's, it's kind of like an ether ETF. Like that's what the DAO is right now. Cause they haven't funded any projects. So it's kind of like an ETF for ether. How do you mean? Like, it's just a fund that holds ether. Uh-huh, for like, okay. Like until they actually fund a, a project. Okay. More, maybe it's more like a mutual fund. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking like short term right now. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a, I guess, a venture. I, the first time I described it, I called it, call it a venture capital fund where you don't know who your partners are <laughs> and you don't know who you're investing with. Yeah. Well, some people have thrown a lot of money into it. You can actually see the, that the, the, I think some some people have thrown in like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of Ether into this thing. So uh, I wonder what the hell is going on there. Um I just don't know what, because there's no, I haven't seen like any good projects for Ethereum. So like, what are they going to fund? So did, did you see Paul Sports is a four part series or five part series on you on YouTube? Yeah. yeah. What did you think about that? Because part, part four was definitely. It might be relevant. What's that? It might be relevant to this discussion because he was talking about, he has this, this chart of like all the Ethereum projects and he's like, this doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. That, yeah part four is my favorite because he just went through like i think he actually did it like a few months ago too where there weren't as many projects and then he was like well now people come in and say that oh there's over 200 projects now oh you know what no i don't i don't know about that though i think what he did is he 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 cut out all the ones that like aren't in production and didn't consider those all right because there's a lot that that they list that aren't even like they're just like maybe we'll do this right but yeah, but basically what he came down to is Ethereum is a casino for Bitcoin. Cuz there's like those are the only apps that are actually that could actually that are actually working right now. I think he said Namecoin if you wanted to make a Namecoin sidechain, you could do that, but I don't know right now he's 
what he his conclusion was the only useful ones for the casino is the yeah. main coin that I guess is in however many lines of code that they always talk about. No, I I like Paul. Uh, the thing is, like he the thing that he hasn't uh, considered or made clear in his drive chain proposals is what will be done with. Excuse me. Whenever you drink beer and podcast, you always burp, and it's it's bad. Uh, so like um, one of the things he doesn't talk about in his drive chain proposal, and be, because it's the hardest part, is how would you deal with the UTXOs that you have to track? So like if you put money into a side chain. Your UTXO is sort of locked up. But if you want to bring money back, um, if you bring all your money back, that's no problem because you can just like unlock that UTXO. But let's say you put half your money, you want it to bring back half of your value from the side chain. You need to spend all of that UTXO and the change address would now be, need to be tracked as the UTXO for that side chain value. So that's why you need to have these federated node systems. And it's always the hardest part about the side chains is bringing the money out of the side chain back into Bitcoin. And he, he's, he doesn't really have a good solution to that. Um, and I told him that. Blockstream's working on their own, like, stuff. they're working on things that aren't Something hard. like that? What's that? Elements Alpha? Well, no, there's their solution to the... Bitcoin back from the side chain to the main chain. They haven't really uh, told me any details about it, but I was I was emailing um, Maxwell and Adam back uh, probably a month ago, and he was they hadn't, they hadn't really looked into drive chain at all, just because they were working on their own system. And he said they should have some kind of formal bit for it in a few months, but that's also what they, cool. it's also what Maxwell said. In like October, but I'm sure a lot of yeah. the stuff has slowed all this down. I don't know if slow is the right. Sometimes I I wonder how people like what percept like time seems so subjective, and it seems like people in the crypto space want like a decade's worth of work to happen in a month. Like there's like a year in Bitcoin is like it, like they could have worked on side chains instead of having to go on Reddit and. Explain right. why <laughs> increasing the block size is a bad idea. That's true. But the thing that I have seen, they have in production, they have what's called Elements Alpha. I pretty, I'm pretty sure it's deployed on the test net. It's a side chain on the test net. And they use a federated node system for the value transfer. And so that's a centralization there. Uh, but the side chains that work right now are based on the federated peg. That's how... Elements Alpha works. That's how mm -hmm. Liquid is going to work. Where, mm -hmm. which is a really good idea. Like all the, all these centralized exchanges and Coinbase and Circle, like they should all do their transfers on a side chain that doesn't take up block space. Uh, I've I've heard some people that know more about me that about like markets that were telling me that Liquid isn't that good of idea because it it because markets tend to be winner take all. And there will be sort of like one winner in the liquid network is their kind of opinion. That was like the vague opinion I got. But um, yeah, I'm not so sure about liquid yet, but I, I know that I don't have any info about it really, to be honest. I know that it's going to... Even if they didn't use liquid, they could just settle off chain anyways. Like Zappo and Coinbase seem to be very concerned about the lack of block space. Like they could just settle off chain if they really wanted to like just like in a day so, like banks do basically because they're already a centralized service so it's not like uh, it's not like you're creating a problem by settling off chain and then doing it on chain at like the end of the day or whenever so let's go let's just go into the the your opinion because you seem to be a small blocker or someone that's like worried about scaling and your opinion would be to be maybe more conservative, but uh, you know what? What is is it? Is it is it like passe to talk about the block block size debate at this point? I think I don't think there's a debate anymore. Really, I mean, <laughs> like after the Hong yeah. Kong agreement, it was pretty clear what the scaling roadmap was going to be, and now it's just there has been. I don't know if it's been a really a delay. I witness like there is no 
they didn't promise that it was definitely going to be released in April. Well, they posted they posted the pull request in April. Yeah, and now it's going through testing and review, and I think that's impressive. Yeah, if you subscribe to the GitHub, you can see like it's getting shit's happening with that every single day, and uh, yeah. I mean, what's Bitcoin like in Virginia? Pretty much non-existent. Are there no meetups? There's one bar that uh, takes Bitcoin in Richmond. But are there meetups? No. Oh, <laughs> damn, there's dude. Not, there's not. There's not a lot of. I mean, I talked to the people that own the brewery a few times, but it's. I mean, some places it's just not. There's not really a reason for people to care about it. <laughs> that makes sense makes a lot of sense yeah if, like if you're in new york or la there's like startups using it there so or there's people that are more interested in tech there mm-hmm. i don't know i've, I've so I, i've been to the meetups in new york city and it's a lot of times it's it's like i wish those meetups didn't exist some of them <laughs> and the meetups are probably like uh people just trying to get rich quick and yeah there's a lot of that there's a lot of that um do you believe that there's a toxic community? Because I also see that talked about a lot. What do you think? Uh, there's a toxic community of people who usually don't identify themselves on Reddit or Twitter. It's usually anonymous people that uh, start uh, either complaining or bringing up like black stream con- conspiracies or like, for example, like, RBTC has had a bunch of threads about me lately. <laughs> like, oh, really? Like, yeah, like Kyle's a hack, Kyle's a, 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 a pseudo journalist, stuff like that. Oh, and it's that just sucks. Like, well, no, it's it's I'm I'm kind of used to it at this point. I've had plenty of trolls in the comments over the years. <laughs> yeah, sure. But it's uh, it's it's not, it doesn't really bother me because they're not people that uh. Like there's there's people that I dis- disagree with that I can have conversations with, but it's never like an anonymous person mm-hmm. on the internet. It's it's really just not worth paying attention to that at all. Like if you're not talking to someone you can identify, usually it's not worth talking to them. I think that that that's that's a good heuristic. Like if I don't know who it is, like if I can't if they're if they're if they're a non, probably not worth wasting your time on it. Um, because I get caught up in a lot of internet debates like that. And it is, now you pointed out, it is usually anonymous people. Um, and it's a, it's a time suck. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, like oh, you can't sure. spend all those, all those uh, hours just like debating someone about something where it just doesn't well, matter here, if you want to debate. Here, here are the two things I see happen. Uh, this is the two most common things that I, I hate the most is when you're making like points or trying to ask questions or discuss something and some a troll comes along uh and i lo- i'm a troll i like trolls to be honest I-, I like trolling uh but somebody will come along and they'll and they'll just be like oh uh that's a logical fallacy or like they'll tell you like uh they'll they'll start like going telling you about how the order of your argument is is flawed and they'll they but they won't make any points themselves they'll just keep telling you about how like you don't know how to make arguments and there's no way to get through. There's no way to get anywhere in a conversation like that. Right. Well, the funny thing you know, is, so. I like stopped going to RBTC completely, just because I it was just wasting too much of my time. And then they started like mention doing the user mention on Reddit, so I would get notifications every time they would mention me. <laughs> and I had to turn that off. Yeah, they're trying to summon you to the BTC. They're trying to, they're trying to suck my time away. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that uh, Bitcoin.com just launched a casino? Roger Verick seems to be trying to launch everything and everything from uh, Bitcoin.com. Well, he's got he's got some like Twitter get like paid in Bitcoin to retweet. Yeah, I try I tried that. I actually retweeted those, and they were like, "Oh, uh, no funds." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you try it? I haven't tried it. Yet. I, I checked it out the other day, and there was like three tweets that you can retweet for money. Yeah, yeah. So I tried. I clicked. I clicked them, and I tried to retweet them, and they all retweeted on my account. But then on birds.bitcoin.com, it's like, oh, their balances are zero, so you get nothing. So I had to like un unretweet them. 
so it doesn't even work. Yeah, no, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work at all. But what's funny is, so he, this I've seen this in the DAO, and I've seen it in people's reaction to casino.bitcoin.com. There's like a contingency of people who are really upset when like Bitcoin is used for like, they, they think that gambling is like besmirches the name of Bitcoin or like dark markets besmirch the name of Bitcoin. And then the DAO, the guys running the DAO, they're specifically saying like, oh, we hope no one votes um, for uh, Silk Road 4.0 or gambling because like that's super stupid. Hope that because that's the only thing that's going to make money. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 funny. It's like you made you made this like hundred million dollar pool of unregistered whatever you're doing, and then you're like pussyfooting around like illegal stuff. And it's like I don't know if you guys get what you're doing. Yeah, unless, <laughs> unless you had like a. Unless you were interested in like economics, certainty before you found out about Bitcoin, the reason you got into it is because it solved some kind of problem for you. Like you couldn't get money from point A to point B, so you had to use Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And, and most of the time, that's going to be either in a gray or a black market area. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the thing that people don't understand. Like that is the point of Bitcoin. Like it doesn't have to be entirely that, but if you take that away, then there's no point of having Bitcoin at all. No, it makes sense. Uh, so I've been bring I've been bringing up in this price talk channel on on uh, Bitcoin Core. I've been I've been spreading Bitcoin uncensored propaganda there and asking about what effect would the legalization of like marijuana have on the Bitcoin price? And uh, I I keep getting dismissed when I bring that up because it's like it, to the, they say that it doesn't matter, but at the same time. So I did the numbers for them. So like basically the Bitcoin halvening is going to be a reduction of 1800 Bitcoins per day in terms of production. They would say that it's it's a halvening, halving in supply, but that wouldn't be true because there's still millions of Bitcoins rolling around. Um, and so they're telling me that 1800, 1800 Bitcoins per day in it, redu- reduction there is is significant. But then I brought up like, okay... The size of the darknet markets is around $100 million per year or so. It might be even more. It might be $200 million. I've seen some some studies on it. And that would be like 600 to 1,000 Bitcoins per day in terms of demand. And so if that went away, like, wouldn't the, that affect the price? And they were like, no, that wouldn't affect the price. It was, it was a weird – it was a weird – what do you think? Is it, Do you think that yeah, it's, it's important? Yeah, the Bitcoin censored guys are definitely right when they talk about uh, – what do they say? Like the government subsidizing Bitcoin? Basically, yeah. Like the, it's based, yeah. It's anything that the they're government gen- they generate the demand for yeah. fungible value. Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders would be great for Bitcoin. <laughs> like, there's an argument that Bitcoin holders should vote for like Bernie Sanders or anyone that's gonna either make stuff illegal or. Well, it seems like you're begging the question. Hillary Clinton would be would be bad for Bitcoin. Maybe I'm not sure which which of the three would be. The best or worse. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> it'd be, it'd, I'd have to think. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it's funny though. Cause, uh, do you think the happening will be an event? I don't think so. I mean, I'm not a trader at all, so I don't, I don't like to speculate on the price, especially in the short but term. But that's fine. Just te- technically, though, you could have like difficulty changes could be significant at that time. You could have, uh, miners go offline. That's not going to happen. All the, pretty much, at least, I'm not going to say all the miners, but a vast majority of them are prepared for the, the having, at least according to uh, Gavin. And then the Bitfury guys have also said their latest chip, They, the reason, one of the reasons they built it was to be able to account for the 50% drop in revenue from the having. So miners are definitely aware of this and ready for it. Yeah, that's the benefits of a um, of the predictable supply curve. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think <laughs> it'll, I think it'll be pretty much a non-event, but I don't know. I could be wrong. One of the things I'll speculate on is I think because there are so many people expecting it to be an event that there will be some sort of self-fulfilling prophecy there uh, in terms of like there's a lot of people watching certain statistics around that event. And I, there could be an incentive to miners um, at that time to short Bitcoin and turn off their miners to fake create the event that they think is happening. 
but but that's like the only thing I can think of. It'd be a risky. That would be a reputationally very risky thing to do. Yeah. But you could always like blame it on a power outage. <laughs> a very like, all of China for power outage. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, doesn't the doesn't like the Chinese premier like control all the miners, so he can just flick that switch? Well, yeah, <laughs> he's the biggest right. miner in the world. That's how it goes. <laughs> That's what I heard. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny these facts. Yeah. What? So do you? So you follow it pretty closely. You 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 write pretty intelligent stuff uh, on Bitcoin, even though you're kind of a dum dum. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I I can't tell you I can't tell you you're intelligent and then not say you're dumb. I have to do both. Um, so, what do you think about like the the outlook for Bitcoin? Do, do you do you think we're going towards like more fungibility, or do you think we're going towards more centralization, or what what do you, what are the arcs you see? I think we're going towards more fungibility because of mm-hmm. we have join market, and I know. Uh, putting CoinJoin in directly into Bitcoin Core has been discussed for three years now, but I think Join Market is like the form of CoinJoin that might actually get put into wallets by default. And then confidential transactions is a great idea, but I don't know how it's going to get implemented into Bitcoin. I imagine we'll have to wait. If sidechains are a thing, then it'd probably be implemented as a sidechain first and then brought to mainnet. But the thing with that too is like everyone has to use it by default or if it, it won't be as useful. So I think we're moving in a positive direction, but yeah, I think, I mean, as far as fungibility too. Mm-hmm. But that's, I've been checking, say a lot of, about a lot of things that are. Specific. <laughs> yeah. I've been checking out some some videos of like people that aren't as technically uh, advanced in their Bitcoin understanding, and they they oftentimes I'll see that like what basically the line that they'll tell people is um, you may think that Bitcoin's anonymous money, but it's actually very highly trackable money. All that things you've heard about Bitcoin being used by criminals and drug dealers, like that's not really a thing because it's super super trackable. And like, that's sort of like a, a thing that they'll say in their line. And I always think that maybe they just don't know what's happening in Bitcoin because it's, if you talk to the people developing Bitcoin, they don't like that. Right. But that they're kind of right for right now. I mean, it's pretty, if you talk to the people at like Chainalysis or any of those blockchain analytics companies, they they can pretty much track where most of the Bitcoins are going. And it's not, it's very difficult to use Bitcoin anonymously. And I imagine a high percentage of the people using it on the darknet don't know what they're doing at all. Hmm. Like there was that new, there's like a new, uh, I don't know if, I don't know who released it, but there's this new tool called Onion Scan, where you can like scan all the hidden services on Tor. And it'll tell you if there's like some vulnerability or something that they're doing to expose their identity. And there is yeah. that are running some of the dark markets. They don't really know what they're doing as far as yeah. like protecting their identity. So that I think it, it definitely needs to be more uh, user, user friendly, more easy for like the average person to use it. Cause unless you do all your research, you're. No, that's a good point. Yeah. It's still, it's still definitely a long way to go in terms of usability in that, in that sense. Like you, you, you have to know too much of the technical inner workings to really use it correctly. This way can do all the research for Bitcoin to know how to use Silk Road or whatever darknet you're going to, which is like a six month process (laughs) at least. I I mean, at least, yeah, at least that might even be an underestimate. Uh, Reading about it for like five or six years. I know, yeah. I mean, I I don't. It, it's it's more understandable than the internet at large. So the internet at large is a very complex system that has a lot of moving parts, and then you have Bitcoin where it's doing like this very specific thing, and like you feel like you can kind of get a handle on it. Like you're like, oh, I got I got the big picture here, and you don't really. <laughs> but I hope I hope the uh, the hump towards like the internet is like everyone uses the internet, but they don't know how it works. I hope that hump is uh, is get gotten over. Um, but I could also see a future where Bitcoin just 
goes to the potato. Do you think there's a future where Bitcoin just like ceases to be relevant or necessary? Not that it's replaced, but like cryptocurrencies just like are not born out as like a technology that works. I, I mean, I think it's here to stay. I don't, mm-hmm. it's, it has, people are going to, people that aren't as like people that can't send value across the internet because for whatever reason, they can always use Bitcoin. So I think as unless like government, like either ceases to exist or decides to create the, a new version of e-gold <laughs> and create it themselves. I think there's going to be, and also make sure that all transactions are anonymous. I think, I mean, I think I don't, I think Bitcoin's going to be here for, for a while. Bearing some like cool. crazy yeah. move by basically governments would, cause they basically control uh, the Bitcoin price too, by their policies. <laughs> Yeah, if you if you look at the run up of Bitcoin it, when it when it like mooned to its highest all time high, it was like right after the Silk Road got all their funds seized, and like a lot of that purchasing might actually have been around the news of the seizure, but also the people having to buy back their bitcoins. <laughs> That's know? a good point. I so, I I I don't know how much it accounts for it, but like it might be part of it. Like, I mean, they seized a lot of bitcoins, and if you still need to buy. What, what you need to buy and all your bitcoins are got seized like you're gonna have to buy a bitcoin then right yeah <laughs> but but yeah but there's a lot of people who who would think that's probably not correct and have a, a smart reason to tell me why it's not which is fine i try not to say like this event happened so that's why the bitcoin price moved but it's okay to think about it <laughs> Yeah, sure. Uh, so I, I also, um, the thing that I, I uh, the whole future is, so Ethereum to, to me seems like uh, they market specifically to future, they basically have commoditized futurism into a token called Ethereum. And, uh, but like, uh, I've been thinking about this. I think maybe Bitcoin is the only currency that like you could use um, between like a Mars colony and an Earth colony. Like, it might be the only currency that, like, would be good for that. Yeah, I mean, well, no, because, I mean, you could you could do, as far as, like, digital cash or any form of, like, actual real value goes, I mean, you could transfer IOUs from Earth to a Mars colony. Yeah, you could, could do that, but then you, have to, dollars, you, then you have to trust those stupid dummies on Earth. <laughs> yeah, I want my private key when I'm on Mars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Well, it would, it would. They could use uh, dollars for a while, and then once they revolution, and they're like, "No, we're gonna start our own thing on Mars." <laughs> Kyle, you haven't thought about this. It seems like you don't plan to live forever. <laughs> haven't you heard though? Have Haven't you heard this? Um, there's a guy that works for Google. What's his name? Uh, what's his name? There's a guy at work at Google. He's like their their head futurist, and he thinks that if you live to twenty forty, yes, that guy. He thinks if you live to twenty forty seven, you will like live forever. That's his. That's his prediction. What do you think about that? I've seen some of his stuff. Uh, I don't really know anything about like what he's talking about, so I can't really. <laughs> okay, <laughs> he might be right. I don't Stop know. Stop being so reasonable. He's done. <laughs> he's done a lot more research in that kind of stuff than I have. I don't know if I'd want to download my consciousness into a robot, but what if I started freaking out when I was inside the robot? I mean, like, <laughs> so I, 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 I'm always surprised when some people are going to listen to this and they're going to be like, I wish I shouldn't have listened to this. I, one of the last things I put up on my SoundCloud is I put up uh, like an hour of music. <laughs> like I got comments that were like, what the fuck? What are you doing? Do you usually start you the know. show with the uh, music? I I always I always put so I listen I make some content and then I listen back to it and I'm like I hate everything I'm listening to right now. So I focus on I focus on the outro and the intro and that's like what I'll listen to is the music. So I I started calling myself a Bitcoin DJ and then I just took it to the full conclusion of that and actually did a Bitcoin DJ set. <laughs> it would have been cool if you just like usually you start your podcast with music and then you just like did one where it was just the music the entire time and people were just that's, like, a, that's, a, that's exactly what i just did that's exactly what i just did kyle 
I'm telling you, you can see it on my SoundCloud. I did an hour of music. You do like trolling. <laughs> <laughs> you, know the, you know the best troll is uh, Samson Mao from... Uh, Absolutely. He is so polarizing. He is so extremely polarizing, but like... Uh, He's sort of like a social signal. It's like, do you do like he he splits the crowd into two? (laughs) Yeah. He basically, well, because there's people that have been saying he's basically just backing up the core devs because they've had no one to back them up for a long time. Mm -hmm. I think it was, I think it was Alex Marcus or Marcos was like, uh, well, yeah, he says some fucked up things sometimes, but like it's nice to have like a cheerleader for us, which we've never had before. yeah because like gavin is like gavin has like the ultimate cult following so yeah that's weird uh he's kind of shut up after this craig wright thing though he's kind of gone he's he's gone dark yeah i think he's definitely he's definitely been weakened over the past whenever he started bitcoin xt and Mm -hmm. funny thing is i feel like the core devs have like known they they pretty much say he's been incompetent the whole time, but now like other people like now he's doing things that make other people like in the general public be like, wait, you got fooled by Craig, right? Like, <laughs> uh, and when he was coding for for Bitcoin Classic, and I am not a C programmer, so I can't speak like I know about C programming, but he he actually pushed he did some pull requests without tests at all and they were like this doesn't even work and he's like oh yeah i actually maybe i should have done some tests on that <laughs> it's like so like i think it's probably true that he's not that competent a coder um but i think he just like he he's not as conservative as the core devs like he tries he, he'll push something like what you just said basically like he'll yeah like even with like the bip uh when was xc bip 101 or yeah that's like, right yeah that he like he admitted recently that it was he like misjudged what the actual constraints on the network were. It wasn't bandwidth connections between computers. It was latency between international borders, like the Great Firewall of China. Yeah, it's a it's a definitely a complex system. Yeah. So he's like he was like, no, we should definitely do this right now. And everyone pretty like fourteen out of the top fifteen contributors to Core were like, no, we should not do this. Did you see the eight? It's weird how he was, he was able to like get as far as he did with like no one, basically no one else agreeing with what he was saying. Like he had Mike Hearn and even Jeff Garzik doesn't really like complete with it or uh, agree with his entire vision. I uh, it it seems it seems to be that the way people compete with like competent coders is with like uh, marketing essentially. Uh, they're like I'll, I'll, most of the competent coders like are really bad at marketing, <laughs> so like right. they're really easy. They're, it's really easy to like um, have a message that's louder than like their their right. you know code that people can't understand. The people that are hated the the developers that are hated um, the most are like the best ones for <laughs> for Bitcoin, like uh, Peter Todd and Luke Luke Dash Jr. and uh, Greg Maxwell. Peter Todd just did. Do you follow? Did you see that? Yeah, he just posted onto the the mailing list about um, the UTXO pool. Did you see that? What was it? Okay, yeah, this is like is this this is like something that just just came down today. But basically, uh, he posted this thing, and it's like the UTXO pool is one of beyond the block size. The UTXO pool and the size is one of an it's another centralization factor because like i guess the utxo pool is like 1.3 gigabytes right now and you want to keep that in ram so that you can have like an advantage in terms of like validating transactions and he's proposing some sort of way so that if you have a utxo that's like particularly old and not likely to be spent you could start you could basically uh create a merkle merkle tree root system there so that you can kind of offload a lot of that uh, data out of your RAM and keep it so that um, s- smaller computers can still have full nodes. There's already a limit to the mempool, isn't there? I don't. I don't know, dude. I don't want a full node. I do that. <laughs> yeah, I think there. It might have been. I don't know if that was just like a proposal or if it's actually a thing. This is just something he's put on the mailing list. Yeah. If it. <laughs> If it, because if it wasn't a thing, then 
couldn't you just like spam full nodes with transactions that you'll you know will never get mined? No, 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 no. Not the mempool. The UTXO. The UTXO set. So like the the set of unspent transactions that you that out, out unspent outputs that can be used as inputs. That's that's different from the mempool. That's distinct from the mempool. No, no, no. The mempool is like somebody assigned a transaction and they broadcasted it and it's waiting to get put into a block. It's competing to go into blocks. Right. The UTXS set. Outputs that could be used for transactions. Yes. Yeah. And and you want to have that set handy so that when a transaction does pop up in the mempool, you can validate it quickly against your UTXO set. That's that's what's going on there, and his he he's talking about uh, how to optimize that. I don't know what will happen with that, but I think it's interesting because it's like a I like it because it's it's scaling. That's not about block sizes. Um, I'm re- I'm really confident that Bitcoin will find some level of scaling. I- yeah, those are my favorite <laughs> scaling solutions. <laughs> yeah, those are my preferred scaling solutions. <laughs> funny. Yeah. Funny, I funny. mean, yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't realize that. Uh, Schnorr signatures will pretty much do like the same kind of, I think it's like one and a half to two times uh, efficiency as far as like fitting transactions into a block. I don't, I don't know a lot about those. Do you, can you explain some more about that? I don't, I don't really know. It's just basically a different, uh, like Bitcoin right now uses EC DSA signatures for, uh, like if you if you want to sign a transaction, to yeah to to make a transaction, then you have to basically this makes that signature a lot smaller. Hmm. Which so like the entire size of the transaction will become smaller, which means you can fit more transaction into a block. Does it also validate faster? Uh, I don't remember. I know I think Aaron wrote uh, a long magazine mm-hmm. so cool, I'll check cool. that out. if you just type in like snore mm-hmm. it'll probably come up so you you need to start a bitcoin meetup in virginia dude at that bar yeah i've thought about it but <laughs> i already spent like enough time like reading about bitcoin and writing about it all day i don't know if i'm gonna go to meetups too. Are are you are you a are you a single man or do you have a Bitcoin girlfriend or boyfriend? Uh, I have a girlfriend, but she's not in Bitcoin at all. Okay. Well, my first my I don't know if you know, but my first podcast, I I interviewed my girlfriend about being a Bitcoin girlfriend, <laughs> and she like ber- she like berated me about like how uh, I talk about it too much. I don't want to hear right. about this. Yeah, I, I don't, don't want to talk about it. I don't talk about it that much, but if I'm like at a bar a bitcoin rant every now and then <laughs> every now and then <laughs> every now and well, now again yeah i'm sure it's a little bit more than now and again oh yeah this past uh week with all like the craig wright stuff people were asking me about it yeah like a lot of people that knew i knew about bitcoin asked me about it and people that like I would never have thought like they were like, "Hey, what about X, Y, Z?" Or like that was like their their thing they could chime in on. Um, I do get people every now and then ask me like how to buy stuff off the deep web, and I'm just like, "Don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't, do do <laughs> don't do it. That's funny. Like that you know, I can so get some Bitcoin. I'm like, well, what are you using it for? <laughs> <laughs> That's so pretty funny. much." Uh, all right, Kyle. Have we covered everything? Probably. <laughs> I don't even know what we covered. Do, do, are, are you a Bitcoin Uncensored listener? Definitely. Are you an Exotica.tv user? I did watch him on there one <laughs> one time. <laughs> what do you think about that? I, that website is like really well made. That's what I thought about it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. All, everything works like really flawlessly and it still looks very good. Yeah, I'm I'm always impressed by those guys. We're, I would love to know more about the. Uh, if you're listening to this and you run Exotica, I would love to talk to you. <laughs> I like to put out those messages now and then. Are they still doing it on Exotica? All right, Kyle. 
thought they were going to stop and move to like. I saw they did no, something that was like our last one on Exotica. Was that just a? Oh no 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 no! That was that was that was a joke because uh, um, Amanda from the Daily Decrypt had her final show, and so they had their final show. Um, and uh, did, they, did uh Chris buy the Daily Decrypt? No, no. I, I thought he was thinking about it. No, I think he 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 made a fake Twitter account, and he messaged William Mugliugli, uh that and he it convinced him to. You got to see this, dude. It was just uh, I'll link you to it later. But basically, they they, they uh, convinced him to come on for an interview because he wouldn't come on to an interview for them. <laughs> <clears throat> and there's a video, and basically William's on screen. And then it's Chris, and he's like, "Welcome to the Daily Decrypt Uncensored." <laughs> it's really funny. Um, yeah, he's something else, though. I mean, I I don't understand a whole lot about these guys that are writing these books because I mean, I haven't been in Bitcoin that long, but I I have been around long enough to know like that they're nowhere in the community. You know, I don't know where they're getting their info. I don't know who they're talking to. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, you've been around. Like, have you ever seen this guy before he wrote a book? No. <laughs> I think I've heard for some reason I know I've heard his name, but it might have oh, just yeah? been like I heard it once, and then then he wrote a book, and then <laughs> I don't know. I saw him at the consensus hackathon. He was in he was in the elevator with me, and I was like, "Didn't you just write a book?" And he was like, "Have you bought it?" And I was like, "Uh, no. Can I have a free copy?" And he was like, "Uh, no." And that was the end of the conversation. And then I found out he went to the main event and he handed out a bunch of free copies and signed them. I was like, "Motherfucker." He must he must know who I am. Yeah. Got the scoop. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have these people on Twitter that troll me because I, I put my photo sideways because there was a, like this Brian Armstrong account that like did that and it was like a parody account and people always are like, you're stupid. You can't even put your photo straight. And that's why you do it. Of course. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm just, we're just rambling now, which is fine. I like it. But, uh, you know, what do you guys say? What, what do you want to tell the Bitcoin world? Uh... Everyone listens to the show because everyone listens to Bitcoin Uncensored. And then once they, they're done with their Bitcoin Uncensored episode, they come here and then they have like a whole five hour block of Bitcoin. So, you know, this is the time to grandstand. Uh, check me out on Twitter at Kyle Torpy. <laughs> check me out on Twitter, he says. <laughs> okay. Check Kyle out on Twitter. Uh, if you thought this was dumb, if you if you think this is this is this was a dumb episode, check me out on Twitter and tell me, and then I'll tell you to shove it, and that will be the cycle will repeat itself. All right, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for coming, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Bye bye.